Hey everybody, welcome to the show. So, as I'm figuring out the new format for this, you may hear some background noise, which is going to be really annoying because just where I'm at, I can't, it, it can't be avoided this week. So you're going to hear some, some noise. It won't be overpowering, but you'll hear it. Um, so I've been trying to come up with the format. I really want to leave the match of the month alone and let it be the way it is. But there was so much to talk about this week. I didn't want to keep pushing back the match of the month. Otherwise, we'll be in November. So um, this will be a lot more content. And I'll see how you guys take it. If you guys just want the match of the month to be left alone, then I may need to do something every month where one week of the month we'll have two different episodes. And then it'll just be its, be its own thing. Uh, the match of the month will be after this, but there's so much to talk about, so many things I wanted to get into. We have a bunch of content, um, and so I just really wanted to get it all out instead of me waiting another week, because I just recorded another episode, and I have so many things in the can, like the next, the rest of the year we're covered, you know, and that doesn't include the stuff that's going to come up that I'm going to want to talk about, you know, so um, I'm I'm really... Yeah, so let's just see how this goes, and I'll figure it out, figure it out the rest. First, first of all, let's start with uh, what do I what do I want to start with? There's so much stuff. First of all, thirty years of Jericho. Let's start with AEW. Thirty years of Jericho. I thought it was handled really well. I love the credits and how <laughs> at the end of it, the, the announcer said Jericho does camera four. Yeah, I I loved how they handled it. Um, I don't know if it was Jericho's idea or if somebody else was like, we should celebrate it. Either way, it was, to me, it was good. Um, the show overall was good as well. You know, I know some people weren't happy with the Cody, uh, Bruiser Brody, Bruiser Brody. He looks like Bruiser Brody. Brody Lee uh, build to their dog collar match. But for me, they already had the build when uh, Brody called a shot and took out Cody for a month. You know, and, and Cody had to come back with a whole new attitude and a whole new uh, vigor and, and and frustration and anger that he hadn't had. He'd just been used to, hey, I want to defend my TNT championship and blah, blah, blah. Um, Cody want, uh, regained the TNT championship. And to me, I, I, once again, some people weren't happy. I'm a Cody fan. Um, doesn't I'm not going to say I'm not. So I'm not biased. I can say if I didn't like something. I enjoyed it, I think, because... They put over Brody Lee hard this last month. And to me, what this sets up is Brody being a real threat down the road. If he can take out one of the top stars for a month, he's to, he is to be trifled with. So he's had a TNT championship run. He's had a world championship match. And to me, this feud may not even be over. You know, even though I, I think a dog collar match chip should be the end of it. And I did love the touch of Greg DeHammer Valentine being in there. They had that class. That was actually a match of the month. Back in the day with Wire Pen, I'm going to do it again, was the, the classic Starcade dog card match between Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Greg Hammer Valentine, where uh, that's where Piper busted his eardrum, getting hit by the dog collar. Um, but to me, this dog collar match was great. Um, I thought it just built and built and built. And I did, I read someone's review of it, right? And they said they were trying every different Jedi mind trick to not like this match. And they couldn't come up with anything. I love that because that I think Cody is that divisive, for whatever reason he is. Um, he was he he didn't become this divisive until he left WWE. Um, but like either you like him or you don't. Um, I like the guy. Um, 
Um, do I think he blades too much? Maybe, maybe sometimes there's too much blood in his matches. I think this is his way of trying to put people over, though. Um, there's also other ways. I, I agree. Um, so he can tone some of that down. Um, but I, I enjoy his work, you know, and I, I do enjoy what they did with Brody. I don't think this hurts Brody at all. As a matter of fact, they can pass this championship back and forth. Brody can win it, win it back, and then you could take Cody completely out of it. The thing we have to remember is Cody can't go for the, the world championship yet. There needs to come up with this. There needs to be a storyline where you can get back into it. But to me, he can't be a face when he does that storyline. So whenever he becomes a heel, which it's it's coming, it's definitely coming. Um, that's when he can be that slimy heel that can then worm his way back into the AEW World Championship picture. But even before he gets there, before he gets that belt, that's going to Kenny Omega first, you know. And so um, it's interesting because it looks like all of all of the elite are going to be healed, with the exception of Adam Page. Um, but I mean, to me, I I loved it. That's just me. Um, but once again, I know how divisive AEW is. I know how divisive Cody Rhodes is. I enjoy his work. I enjoy what they did here for him. Um, to me, it was it was great. Um, and, what, and speaking of AEW, um, let's, I came up with the top ten Jericho moments slash feuds. Right it, for me, um, a lot of people don't know this, um, or you may know this actually. Oh, I don't think I've ever revealed this even on one of the, the previous podcast. But uh, like when people ask me who my favorite comic book character is, I don't have one. I think Jonathan Esther thinks that Gambit is my favorite um, comic book character, but I actually don't have one. I just enjoy comics. Uh, with wrestling, it's a little different. Um, to me, I do have a top five. Um, the problem with the top, not the problem, but the thing with my top five is I have two favorites. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage is the first wrestler I ever saw in a match. My, my grandfather put me um, in front of a TV with him, and all of a sudden I'm watching uh, this. I, the first thing I saw was this colorful white guy with a bald spot jumping off and doing this elbow drop. And you see the cameras, you see the people standing, you see Miss Elizabeth on the outside. And I was like, who is that? And uh, my grandfather ended up explaining to me who it was. And I was a Macho Man fan for life. Um, I became a Jericho fan. Uh, I know people say tape traders or whatever, but I remember living back home in Louisiana and there was this one like mom and pop rental store. For some reason, they did not have any WWF like videos, right? You would think they would have them, right? At the time, but most of you guys might not notice because if because the days of renting videos are not really a thing unless you do Redbox, but you would think they would have WWF stuff. They had nothing but ECW stuff. It was really weird. Because I was like, because I remember watching ECW like late at night because it, it came out like four in the morning. But I was like, all right, I'll watch this. And the only and the problem with watching ECW sometimes was their volumes were so off sometimes. So it was just constantly like, all right. Um, and I was like, all right, um, this is really weird. Um, cool, I guess. Um, whatever, but their volume was off, and, like, so you hear Joey Styles get really, really loud, and get really, really quiet, but then he say, oh, my God, it'll get really, really loud, so I had to keep it on mute, right, anyways, that was a long, I got distracted, sorry about that, that was a long-winded way of me saying that that only has ECW, 
and the first thing I watched was him German suplex Taz. And at that time, that was a big deal. You taking Taz off his feet, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, wh- who is this guy? You know, like, wh- why, wh- why is he able to take Taz off his feet? Because Jericho, just, he's never had the best body. He was never like a, a you know, a, a Undertaker or anything. And this guy Germaned him. Uh, it, after that, Taz completely and utterly destroyed him. Um, but I was just, but it was just uh, amazing to me. Um, anyways, um, I, I came up with like, I was going to do top five Jericho moments and I was like, you know, and I start as I was writing them down. So these are more feuds. I said, let's just do a top 10 feud slash moments to me. Um, but before I get to that, Jericho did an interview, which was a freaking hilarious interview. And so when I say that, he reveals a story about WrestleMania 23, I believe. And that's the, that's the infamous WrestleMania where everybody knew that Jericho came back to job out to Fandango. Everyone knew it, dude. Like, I remember I was with my ex at the time. And, <laughs> and she was like, why is Jericho coming back to just to, to, to lose this guy? And I was like, because he's coming back to get paid. You know, it turns out Jericho has said that that was the biggest WrestleMania paycheck he ever got. Well, he reveals a story about that. I guess before, I guess once it was announced that it was him versus Von Dango, he had uh, a meeting with Vince McMahon. And during that meeting, this is so freaking ridiculous but hilarious. Uh, during that meeting, um, he was pitching, hey, I want, I, I kind of want to wrestle Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental Championship. It'll be a great story. Me going for my 10th and, and, and him denying me and blah, blah, blah. And he says, he says Vince McMahon said to him, no one gives a shit about the Intercontinental Championship. And he was like, well, they can give a shit about it, but no one gives a shit about Fandango. <laughs> and I was like, he was fucking right. He was so right. No one cared about Fandango. At the time, his theme song was over, you know, but no one cared about him. And so uh, Vince McMahon apparently said, well, that's his job. I believe it's Vince's job as well. But I, I read that interview, and it's very few times where I'm reading something and I just start laughing loud as hell. I was in the, I was like in the middle of the street walking. I just started laughing because I was like, "That is just a great story," and I, and it's such a believable story. Because if you listen to Bruce Pritchard uh, 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 podcast, for as much as he defends WWE, he does tell stories like that where Vince is like, "Oh no, no one, no one, no one remembers that shit." He does tell stories like that, you know. So it's kind of just like for me, it's kind of like, "Holy crap, he's not wrong," you know. Um, but yeah, I do want um, to get to. I do want to get to the rest of the news, but I do want to do a little, a little intro thing I, I made up for for Jericho. So on the other end of this, we're gonna do top ten Jericho moments and feuds. So check out this. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. You know, I am still feeling the effects from that vicious gore last week. And you're right, I have never beaten Rhino. But at SummerSlam, I'm gonna take care of that smelly, greasy, nasty animal. And I'm gonna get you too, Rhino. Alright, so, 
these are in no particular order, and these may very well be controversial to some people, right? But these are the top 10 feuds slash moments that I enjoyed of Jericho, right? So, well, all right, so two, I'll say this. Let's go with eight, and two of them are, like, on the fence, and I'll, I'll explain why, okay? So, one of the f- first moments was obviously debuting against The Rock. And even though in the end he was making those really stupid, silly faces, um, I-, I think that made him, even though I know he wasn't doing anything after that, I know he said he was feeling frustrated, to me that made him a star. It made him feel very important. You know, Rock Me got the last word, but it made Jericho feel ten times more important, in my opinion. Um, just having that... Mm, that debut and, and then the countdown clock and all that stuff and the, the the theme song was right like it just it was just a good moment all right so another moment WCW when he pulls out the thousand and one <laughs> holds list and he's just saying the same arm bar uh, I think that was one of the best WCW moments and I know we we all, as we all know. That was Jericho. That wasn't had doesn't do with WCW creative. That was one of the best feuds that they ever had, and I'm pretty sure they didn't realize what they had. You know, they really didn't. To this day, that pop that Dean Malenko had when he unmasked himself in that battle royal, and you see Jericho turn around, that crowd is going crazy. Dean Malenko was just you would have thought he was God in that moment. He oh my goodness, but that but that was one of the moments though. That led up to that moment. Um, another another WCW moment. Three. Uh, Jericho and Ralphus. Everything he did with Ralphus was ridiculous. And I know he tried to use Ralphus afterwards because I believe he ended up like signing like a, like uh, probably the biggest contract he's ever had in his life or made some money off it or whatever. And I believe Jericho has said in recent interviews that he's tried to reach out to him, but like uh, he hasn't heard from him or whatever. But like I know he tried to use Ralphus later on in the in the hardcore stuff with Norman Smiley and all that stuff, and it wasn't the same to me. It was he was always meant to be with Jericho, and after that they, they didn't know what to do with him. They were just trying to justify paying him essentially, um, even though they could have done what they did with Lenny Poffo. Lenny Poffo signed a huge contract with WCW, and he I think he said he wrestled twice, and he and he never went backstage. They just kept him under contract because they didn't pay him. The fourth and final moment that we're counting here um, is winning the AEW championship. To me, that match with Adam Hangman Page was so very important. It was so... um, It it showed that he could... It showed that um, he... hmm, It showed that he was just a, a megastar to me. To put a company on his back, he may not be a top four guy. He may not be on your monument or your your, your Mount Rushmore, but the fact that without Jericho, it doesn't. They don't get a deal without Jericho. Jericho signing that deal, it it, it was huge for them, you know. And and uh, and um, I don't know, just something something about it. Just for me, being a Jericho fan, I don't know. It just felt special. And obviously he had to win it, but to me he there could have been no other first champion. Um, I, I'm losing words here just because I'm kind of distracted at the moment, <laughs> but at the same time, just 
there's no, I just think we all know how important that was to get AEW off the ground. And, um, him being around him losing the guys like Orange Cassidy and all these other things, I just think, I just think it's important for the business, you know, me personally. So anyways, those are the moments I have. So the honorable mention I have is more of just like moments. So I put the list down. To me, the list happens so organically, along with a stupid scarf, and and so to me, I just think anything with the list should have made it, but I couldn't think of one moment, so I was just kind of like, I don't know, I just, I, just, I just didn't want to count that in and mash it all in, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, that's that's why I I, I brought brought it to eight because I just think that it's too it was too vague. Does it make sense? I hope it makes sense. Anyways, let's get to the feuds. Obviously, the first one has to be the two thousand eight feud with Shawn Michaels. Without a doubt, that's I think it's his greatest feud in WWE. Um, in my opinion. Um, I, I just think that uh, if you look at where they started, they started that feud in 2003. Technically, it started, you know, in 2003 with, with a jealous Jericho, you know. And then when he came back in 2008, he he was stale. He was I was super excited to have him back, but he just felt stale. And it felt like the same old, same old him doing the Jericho pose and everything. And then he went to that Nick Bockwinkle style with the suits and the big words and and all this stuff and to me it just felt so so different and so ominous and so scary and then he punches Sean's wife oh my god when Sean's about to come out to retire and 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 that was obviously the feud of the year but I think that's if I know some people may think I never enjoyed his feud with Edge I was but I wasn't to be completely honest I was never an Edge fan so, there's very few things with Edge I enjoyed. I know he's a good wrestler. I just didn't enjoy it personally. Like, I wouldn't go out my way. I wouldn't go out my way personally to watch too many Edge matches. Um, but I do know he obviously was one of the greater, greatest. Uh, but to me, 2008 Shawn Michaels, that, that was his greatest feud in WWE, that 2008 one. The next one is the, uh, the one I just brought up, Dean Malenko. Without a doubt, um, that Dean Malenko feud in WWE, it just it made Dean feel even more special. And everything he did to Dean, from torturing him by his dad to a thousand one holds and keeping that cruiserweight championship away from him, to me, it made the cruiserweight championship feel special. It made Jericho feel special. It made Dean Malenko feel special. Uh, so that feud meant something. Uh, that the 2009 feud with Rey Mysterio, where uh, one of the matches is for the Intercontinental Championship, and as Rey goes for the 619, Jericho takes the mask off while he's in midair. And so Jericho, so Ray has to cover his face, and then Jericho just rolls him up for the win. What a great freaking finish! I believe in Jericho's second book. I only own the first two. Um, by I've read them all, but I only own the first two, so it had to be in the second one. He says like Vince McMahon didn't think they could do it, and so they went to the ring, and he said, "Do it for me," and they did it in one take. And when they did it. Um, because Ray actually had the perfect, ma- usually you see Ray adjusting his mask, well, Ray had the perfect mask on to where Jericho just could, he could loosen it at the right time without anyone thinking anything about because he always plays with his mask, and then Jericho just could psh, pop it off. And, um, 
they said they did it in one take, and McMahon, Vince McMahon said, there's your finish. Um, great finish. That was a great feud. Jericho ended up losing that feud, but that was a great feud. This next one's going to be, I think, a little controversial. Um, Stephanie McMahon. To me, the two feuds that really got him... I think it got him respect from Vince because of what he had to deal with, the, the backstage politics and more. But I think also it it showed off his more of his mic skills and how he could talk go toe to toe with anybody. Was Stephanie McMahon in China? But Stephanie McMahon more more likely because like think about it, his first real feud in WWE was with China over the Intercontinental Championship. After China vanquishes. Jeff Jarrett, um, fuck, I'm not even recording, I am recording, that was weird, <laughs> my bad, um, for some reason I looked down and said it wasn't recording, um, sorry, this background noise is kind of throwing me off, but, uh, it's, it's just a beautiful night out, so I'd be out, anyways, um, to me, like, he, cause he didn't feel with anybody, he just would interrupt people. They would get the last word on him, and that will be it. His first few, once she vanquishes Jeff Jarrett, um, he starts feuding with her over the Intercontinental title, then they're co-champions. Damn story, I get it. But then after that, it leads into, you know, 99 and 2000. And that's when he really starts feuding with Triple H, and then he starts even feuding with freaking, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Stephanie. And they went back and forth for years. Like, the only part of that feud that... That I hate it was when they got together because Triple H was a good guy, and that kind of didn't make any sense or whatever. But to me, that feud, I think Jericho's come out and said it. I think when Jericho interviewed Stephanie, um, I think that was just a. I think that I think those two feuds were just as important as any other feud he had because I think not only was he dealing with backstage politics, you're dealing with the owner's daughter, you're dealing with the, this guy's wife who is gonna be the owner one day or whatever he's gonna be he's gonna power one day um i really want to put someone else there but i was like no just to me like even though like and this is off my personal enjoyment obviously but to me i did enjoy it but to me being a jericho fan uh jericho hulk i guess to me i think i could see just like all right this is what he has to do to get himself to the next level and he did like that night. Um, where was it? It was in a, it was in the northeast somewhere. And he pinned Triple H, where, where Earl Hebner gave, gave him that fast count, and that crowd was going crazy. I think uh, Michael P.S. Hayes has said in the past that that was a mistake on Korea's part to not switch the belt that night to Jericho. To me, those feuds don't happen without him feuding with Stephanie first. So, and then the honorable mention. And this kind of goes hand in hand with Stephanie. It's Triple H because to me they had decent matches, but boy, oh boy, some of those matches were hard to get through. Like to me, I think some of them were just too long. But I think most of Triple H Triple H's matches are just too long sometimes. Like like I, I think like every Hell in a Cell this guy has gone 30, 40, 50 minutes. I know the one on one Hell in a Cell match with him and Shawn Michaels went an hour. Um, I believe the, the the one with him and Jericho went like forty five minutes, and like sometimes. It's one thing if you have a bunch of chicanery going on, also the crap. Um, but dude, sometimes one on one Hell in a Cell matches just it, it they can be. And by the way, we're gonna get to how many Hell in a Cell matches we're getting this year. That's freaking ridiculous. Um, 
But to me, sometimes it just could be too much, especially with limited movesets. Like, and Triple H is in my top five, but his moveset is limited. So that's why he became an honorable mention. But he's he goes kind of goes hand-in-hand with Stephanie McMahon. So, anyways, those are my top eight to ten Jericho moments and feuds. Um, tell me what you guys think they are. Uh, for me, those are the ones I enjoyed the most, and those are the ones that I truly just, I don't know. I think they just meant more. So, for, for me as a fan. Um, anyways, let's uh, we'll leave AEW now. We've talked about that. I'm actually, what I'm actually going to do... So we, we, we will get some extra content uh, either this week or next week. I'm thinking next week, though, after episode five, because I do want to do a one-year retrospective of AEW on TNT. And I want to write down to me my top ten matches, top ten moments, and I do want to talk just have a show strictly about AEW. Um, so you will get extra content this, this month. Also, I'm doing the boys review. I did I just binge-watched the boys Um you will get some extra content. I wouldn't get used to that, but these are things that I just feel like I just don't want to put off, especially with the year anniversary coming, uh, I believe it's this Wednesday. So, yeah, so the following... So, actually, no. What I actually might do is drop the year in retrospective. Yeah, that's what I'll do. This will this will drop. Episode 4 will drop Monday. And then Wednesday, look for uh, episode 5. And it will be the year in retro, the year like uh, retrospective of AEW. So let's move away from AEW. We talked enough about that. Let's go to WWE. So we had the first leg of the the, the draft um, on SmackDown. So by the time you hear this, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen on Raw. To me, they made some pretty big moves, pretty stupid moves, and some more. Um, but first of all, remember a few weeks ago when I said, "Hey, this retribution thing feels like." No, it's not over. It feels like they're missing a leader. Guess what? <laughs> the leader was revealed. Ali. Uh, how about that? Um, I'm definitely interested to see where this goes. I mean, the names were stupid, but I wasn't too harsh on this thing. One, I was never really fully invested in it, but I knew when they did the reveal, it just felt dry. It felt like chicken with, fried chicken with no seasoning on it. Um, I knew there was something missing, and that was it. And Ali revealed himself. He revealed himself in one of the best ways, because MVP's uh, facial expressions alone sold it. Uh, he just looked like he was smiling, and he went to like that. That it was, it's that meme with that black guy who's smiling one minute, next minute he's not smiling. That's what MVP. The MVP is going to be his own meme now. Um, so I, I'm I'm all for this. Anything that keeps Ali uh, on TV, and now I'm interested to see why. And the picture he put on Twitter. Where he said the axis why, and we we said why not, and everything that he showed is relevant. And if you notice, there's a thread with at least two of the guys on there, Ali and Dio Madden. Brock Lesnar has something to do with their shit. Like I completely have forgotten, next like on purpose. How did we just forget last year? Ali, they, we had the biggest cock tease of the of the of life when Ali's climbing the ladder, and I'm sitting there watching Money in the Bank. I'm like. They're about to give money to Bank to Ali. Oh, my. And all you hear is Brock Lesnar's music crash. He literally just picks the ladder up, dumps Ali, and gets the briefcase. He does no move, nothing. And he showed that picture. He showed the picture of Dio Madden being laid out by Brock through the announce table, which sent him back to NXT. 
um, Dominic Dachikovic being laid out by Karrion Cross. I mean, the one thing that was missing, and now it seems to be, I don't think it's confirmed. Uh, I know Dave Meltzer, which if you hate him, don't don't shoot me. But he seems to have confirmed that Mercedes Martinez is going back to NXT. She is no longer in retribution. Um, I'm interested to know why. Uh, did they feel like they only needed one female? Um, we do know that Raw has been getting rewritten like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. By the way, going at 8 o'clock at night. Um, so I don't know. But I do approve of Ali being the leader because it just keeps him on TV. He's a, he's, he has a great story, dude. He went from being a cop to now he's doing this to show that to show his people, his Pakistani people, are, are good. and Which we all know it's not they're all bad, but whatever. But it's like, to me, he just has a great story. And he could be, a, he can talk. You know, I've seen him talk before. He can talk. So I'm all for this. Um, but we'll see. I'm assuming they're going to stay on Raw. But once again, as I record this, it's Saturday after the first night of the draft. The first night of the draft, they had some controversial things. You had Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods winning the Tag Team Championships on SmackDown from Cesaro and Shinsuke just to be drafted to Raw, just to then have a farewell match next week where then they have to defend the Tag Team Championships against Cesaro, Nakamura, and Sheamus. By the way, uh, Big E got drafted to SmackDown, and he's not in that match. So if those three win the belts, that means they're going to be champions. I'm a, and I'm assuming they're going to win because you can't take the blue tag team championships to Raw. So I'm I'm just conf- I'm assuming. All right, so here's here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming they put those belts on them, even if it's for, even if it's for one week. And by the way, they're seven-time seven time tag team champions. Um, they put that the belts on them just to show that, hey, these guys are not done without Big E. They can be a dominant tag team, just the two of them. Same with Big E can be a threat. Because Big E did have a uh, false count anywhere match with Sheamus, which was not too bad. And he ended up winning. Um, but I, I, I don't know why you would take the belts off of Nakamura and Cesaro. I think that's stupid, but... To each its own, you know. Um, that's just me personally. Anyways, another move that was made. And I'm not going to tell you the moves where people stayed on the show that they're on. Like AJ Styles got drafted to Raw. Drew McIntyre. Too, they were already on this, the freaking show. So we're not talking about those. Uh, Naomi went to Raw. That's a very interesting move to me. And an MVP actually said, Naomi, she would be a welcome addition to her business. She, she really can't talk very well. Um, so, so someone talking for her would be nice. Um, and then also she could feud with me and him. That would be interesting, you know. Um, but that's to me, it's an interesting move. I wonder what plans they have for F any, you know. Um, I know Meltzer and others reported like a month ago that they're gonna push Naomi hard. Uh, but I'm interested to see how that's gonna go. Um, also, Miz and Morrison to Raw. Um, first of all, thank God. I'm so tired of seeing them with freaking Otis and this stupid money in the bank court thing. I, I'm over it. I am so over it. Um, I don't know what this is going to do. I, I do think, I don't know, man. I, I do think they need to split up, though. 
Morrison, I don't know. I don't know what you do with some of these people because they've been, they've been so devalued to me. I see some of these people mainly like let's use, let's use Miz and Morrison as an example. To me, when when Gene Simmons was first putting together merchandise for Kiss, right? He just put merchandise on everything. He's Kiss condoms, Kiss keychains, Kiss comic books, Kiss action figures. So there's so much material out there that you can get anywhere you go because it's kisses everywhere. That it devalues itself sometimes. So if you're a collector, you having a certain kiss, unless it's like signed by all the members of Kiss or something, you don't really have anything, you know, because it's, it's so much of it. So to me, that's what they do to some of these people. They just devalue them because it's like, ugh, we know how special John Morrison is. And when he was Johnny Mundo and all those other things, he really made a name for himself. I think he's, ever since he left WWE, he's won a world championship everywhere he's went. Whether it was with TNA Impact, and I know some of you guys don't watch Impact, but it is what it is. He was a world champion there. Lucha Underground. A lot of you guys like that show. So, anyways, um, I don't know what that even means. You're just taking tag teams off of SmackDown now. I, 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 I don't know who... They didn't add a tag team to SmackDown. So I'm curious to see how that's going to work. Then the SmackDown moves, I hated the SmackDown moves because Seth Rollins goes, that's cool. But then they add Dominique and Rey Mysterio. Why? Why are we not over this feud? This is like another feud that will never end. It's like a Baron Corbin feud. It will never end. It's like this needs to stop. And I hope somehow they split these guys up. Because I, I, I can't, I don't, they can have decent matches, but the feud's dead. I don't care what Aaliyah Mysterio, if she's banging a 32-year-old. I don't care. And why would you want to do that? That's stupid. And then the other move was uh, Bianca Belair. That move I love. That move I freaking love. So um, I'm surprised they split them up, from, split her up from her husband. Um, what And what may very well end up happening is they may switch the Street Profits on Monday to SmackDown. So, who knows? But, uh, like I said, I do know, like, the last draft last year, they were making a concerted effort to keep the couples together. So, that's why I'm thinking the Street Profits may be on their way to SmackDown. So, I'm assuming they're trading black tag team for black tag I don't freaking know. But, either way, this... And, let's be honest, the draft doesn't really mean a lot anyway. It's... It is what it is, dude. Um, so, I'm not going to get too worked, about, worked up about this. Lars Sullivan is back, though. I, I do... I know they had promising things for him. Then he had the anxiety, and then he got hurt. But he's back on SmackDown, so I'm interested to see where they go with that. Um, and also, a preemptive World Championship Universal match next week between Reigns and Braun Strowman. Why? Never explained. Um, but, you know, who cares, you know? Um, but I, so I need to talk to somebody, because I have a hilarious Lars Sullivan story. That I witnessed firsthand, and I want to know if I can tell the story. So I'm, I'm, I may, I'll get back to you guys on that. But that's why I wrote, that's why I wrote down Lars Sullivan on there. But to me, overall, I think the draft is pointless. Um, I didn't enjoy it personally. Um, but once again, I, say, I guess we'll see more on Monday, and I'll talk about it next week. Um, but yeah. Those are, the, those are the big moves. Once again, we I didn't see them break in a new day like this. They kind of did what they did with the Dudley Boys in 2002. But, um, 
And supposedly the Dudleys didn't even know they were breaking up that day. Um, I'm sure the New Day knew. The New, the New Day has... That's one of the greatest groups in WWE history. Whether you find them annoying or not, it doesn't matter. This group made... Xavier was a Hall of Famer without a doubt. Kofi was already going to go into the Hall of Fame. He would have been like a more successful Coco Beware, all the championships he won. But it's just, this group got him a WWE championship run. Um, it got him to be, it got him to show some of his, some more of his real personality. Um, without a doubt, they're, they're a Hall of Fame group without a doubt, you know. Um, and it's one of the greatest groups of all time. Uh, merch sellers, every, whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter. They they have made their mark in the tag team faction group, however you want to put it, uh, world. So, um, I guess that was supposed to be the big surprise of the night. But let's get to this before we get to anything NXT. Sweet Jesus, we have three Hell in a Cell matches, and why? So we have Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship in Hell in a Cell. We have Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso in Hell in a Cell, an I Quit match. And then we have Bayley defending the Women's Championship, SmackDown Women's Championship, against Sasha Banks in Hell in a Cell. Why three? Why three? I don't... Talk about overkill. Um... I don't get it personally. I was looking forward. I've been on record. I was looking very much forward to seeing Jey Uso die at the hands of Roman Reigns in Hell in a Cell. And we all kind of knew um, that Bailey and Sasha, they couldn't hold off on that match. Now, I'm assuming they, they're not holding off on that match because one of them is going to get drafted to Smack to, to, to Raw. And I'm assuming it's going to be Bailey, um, personally. Um, so I'm assuming that that match is going to go through and she's going to be on the, the red brand. But I don't get why three Hell in a Cell matches. And honestly, if that's the case, then take Roman Reigns and Jey Uso out of Hell in a Cell and make an I Quit match. But to me, when they add the I Quit stipulation, now that made me more, even more intrigued in that match. Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre don't need Hell in a Cell. So, but I don't know, three of them is definitely overkill. I, I think it's... And I, and I wonder how you spaced it out in three hours. Do you do one at the beginning of the night? And if you do do one at the beginning, at the beginning of the night... That needs to be Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. And then the one in the middle needs to be Bailey and Sasha. And then the last one needs to be Jey Uso dying. Um, now, let's be honest. We, this is, Randy Orton did nothing to deserve this title match. He beat a bunch of old people and Christian. That's not anything special. So, I'm assuming Randy is going to win the belt, finally. And then obviously Sasha's gonna win because I believe Bailey's had the belt for 500 days. I believe that's a thing. 500 days. I don't think it's been. I, that seems that seems a little long. I would think 400 days. Um, but then again, I don't know. Cause see, I re, I would need to look it up. Cause see, I remember she won the belt. Then she lost it to to Charlotte. She had a hissy fit, and then that's when she really went heel and ended up beating Charlotte Ford again. Um. Someone said she went, went, is this is 500 days and counting now? I know it's been over a year. 362 days are in a year. So I know it's over a year. Um, but either way, overkill city, whatever. Um, but let's get off of that. And we're going to end with NXT news, how uh, Bela has a broken, Finn Balor has a broken jaw. 
Um, you kind of could see something was going on in that in that NXT match. That first of all, that main event was amazing, um, and they beat the hell out of each other and stole. And to me, they told a great story. I don't think they need to work that stiff with each other, but they might. They just they just seem they probably had a deal, you know. But uh, I don't think he's gonna vacate this championship. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't. Um, but boy, oh boy, if he has to vacate that title, damn, that's gonna suck. Uh, but but apparently, from what people are reporting, uh, Keller and uh, freaking Meltzer is not as bad as it seems. So he might just be out of action until next month. They might just have him do talking scenes or whatever. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about, these the Garganos are great, man. Like they did some some skits with them this week on NXT, where where they're complaining and. They get a 62-inch TV from Indy Hartwell, and in the, in, the, in the flash drive, it shows how many times she saved Candice LeRae, and I just loved how, like, when when Johnny walks up, Candice is like, hey, did you see Indy Hartwell gave us a TV? He's like, talk about that loser for? Would she ever win? Huh, told you I liked her. <laughs> like, to me, I loved them as a heels, and I thought about it. I said, how great is Johnny's life and Candice? Where they can work with the person they love the most, and they can do what they really want to do and be creative. And they don't, and they don't, and neither one of them need pressure um, of going to a main roster. I don't think they, I don't think either one of them want to go. And so they could just be there helping. I do think they're going to eventually need to pull the trigger, and I think this could be next year. Uh, because let's be honest, the Florida governor has opened that state up, and so. Dude, they're going to be a bunch of screaming fans in there way more sooner than later. So you, I, I would hold off on giving them both belts until next year. And I would give Johnny, even if it's a token run, it'll be one night where he's a world champion, she's the world champion. Um, and you don't need to rush that. Because now that they have Ember Moon back and uh, uh, Tony Storm back, um, you can wait on that. But I, I definitely think... Th- them as a couple need to win the belts so, together. Um, but anyways, that is a show that I have. I, those are things I need to talk about. I really, I need to, but I want to talk about. Um, and next we're going to get to the match of the month. The match of the month actually has a lot to do with Roman Reigns, has a lot to do with The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and some other people. Um, so on the other end of this, you're going to hear some, no, whatever that noise is I I, I, I have. <laughs> it sounded nothing like it, by the way. And, um... You're going to get the match of the month this month. It was a good one. And it's a more modern match. I believe it was from 2014. Um, and I've actually had this recorded for a very long time. At least at least a month or two. Because um, I, I knew... I recorded this when I knew... When I seen where things were going. And I knew what I wanted to do. Um, so anyways, enjoy this episode for Episode 5 next week. Check that out as well. We're going to... I don't know exactly what the show will be about yet. Um, we, but I do know to look out for... See? Me and Jonathan S. just recorded a show called The MCU Effect. And that's I really I may do that. We'll see. Um, but I do know, also check out next week, it'll be two shows next week. One will be the uh, retrospective of AEW after the first year. So, check it out. But first, check out this match of the month. Y'all be safe. I'm still trying to get the format down, and as I record this, I've recorded like three or four different shows, and I'm trying to get my groove back, trying to see what formats work, what formats don't work. The one thing I know for sure is that when 
I was doing the original podcast where I repent I'm going to do it again. Uh, the match of the month stuff was very popular. And I kept that to itself. I never mixed it with anything else. I mean, I might have done like a cold open for it or might have had a commercial or something. But it was never anything else that needed to be. And I feel like the fans liked it that way. So we're going to keep it that way. And so this match of the month, I think I'm going to drop this one in September. Because like I said, I'm recording a lot of this stuff in September. Just trying A lot of it probably won't be used. A lot of it would just be me getting back into the group of things. Um, but this will definitely, this is, as I'm recording this, it, SummerSlam just happened. And then Payback just happened. No, Payback just happened. So September 1st, actually. And I'm actually going to uh, release the first podcast within the next two or three weeks. Anyways, so I decided to make it relevant to the current moment. Anyone who's up on wrestling, the one thing you know is that Roman Reigns have, has officially turned heel for the first time since he's been with the Shield. Um, and the Shield came in as heels. Um, and then they, I think after a year... Yeah, they a year, year and a half or so, they they ended up uh, becoming more popular. And then as soon as they became really popular, that's when they broke him up. Well, I felt like this this match of the month, one, it's modern day. Two, it was a really good match. Uh, the hype around the match was amazing and the fact that WWE did something that they really rarely do these two groups did not touch and they came, they came out the same year and these two groups did not touch for a full year and a half I believe until they had their very first match they didn't touch it all or they rarely touched but I want to say they and someone let me know um, I'm more than willing to be proven wrong It's and, and but I don't to my knowledge I don't Recall these guys ever touching. These six men never touched until this match. Um, I felt it was appropriate because if you give background, the Wyatt family came out and, like I said, they came out first because the Shield was kind of being built in. It wasn't NXT yet. Um, was it or was it NXT? It was NXT, yeah, because Seth Rollins was the champ. Um, but it wasn't what it became. It wasn't what you know everyone knows NXT to be, and. The Wyatts came up. Uh, Husky Harris was up first, and which is now Bray Wyatt, and um, he was being repackaged. And I remember there was this bar in Maryland when I used to live in Maryland, and they used to sh- the very first time I saw a promo or a vignette for the Wyatt family, I was with my ex, <laughs> and she saw and this bar in Maryland would show the pay per views. Like it, and it was a big deal, you know. Like that bar, those Sunday, I had went up there on a Sunday where it was football, and the only time I seen that it was packed was during a Ravens Steelers game. And once again, living in Maryland, that's just a, a rivalry for those who follow football. But otherwise, it was pretty dead for football games. Sunday pay-per-views for WWE brought in a lot of business, and it was always, always, always packed. And the first time I saw a vignette for the White family, I can't remember the pay-per-view, but I remember watching it, and my ex was there, and she looked at me and said, what in the hell did I just watch? And I had no clue at the time. It was, it was one vignette. You don't know. And then I believe Bray Wyatt's very first match 
official match was at SummerSlam against Kane. And I believe it was an Inferno match, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, anyways, um, it, the Wyatts were up already. And then the Shield came in at Survivor Series and uh, took, took out Ryback and became pretty much CM Punk's henchman. And um, off to the races you went. And like I said, they, WWE did a good job. And like I said, it had to be a year and a half because they these two groups didn't touch. And I remember like um, talk, hearing fans talk and, and, and about why aren't these two. Now, once again, obviously the weakest member of any of those six men was Eric Rowan. But these, these six men were in a group, in different groups, you know. And the Wyatts never held gold until later on when they pretty much got broken up. You know, uh, Shield came in, made an immediate mark, tag team championships uh, with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, and uh, and Dean Ambrose was the U.S. champion, and he barely defended that belt, and he ended up losing in like a battle royal to Sheamus or something, some weird thing they did. Well, anyways. Uh, like I said, they did a great job. These two groups never touched. And the only reason this match even happened is because it was a Elimination Chamber match. No, or was it Elimination Chamber match? The match happened at Elimination Chamber. It was some kind of match, multi-man match, and the winners... Yes, that's what it was. It was a multi-man match, and the winners would get in the Elimination Chamber. Well, the well, no, why it was deep in the midst of his feud with, with Cena, and it ended up costing the Shield their match, and they were not eligible to be put into the uh, elimination chamber. So uh, they were furious, and they were feuding, and they said, "Look here, we want a match with the Wyatts at elimination chamber." And this is so. This is significant now because it looks like. We're about to have a, a ro- heel Roman Reigns as a universal champion versus a babyface, The Fiend. Because uh, b- the babyface Bray Wyatt, uh, Funhouse Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, is not beating heel Reigns. He, the only person he could probably beat is Mance. So let's just be honest. Let's not sugarcoat it. Anyways, um,. I just think it's, it's significant because you see where these two guys came from. And we both know their history. And and Bray Wyatt is a movie star, pretty much. He just loves acting and loves the creative aspect of it. To me, he's definitely a... Um, he's, he reminds me of like a Matt Hardy. Um, Matt Hardy never won a world title in WWE. He, he's won other... Well, technically ECW. Well, depending on who you ask, that... EC WWE Championship wasn't a world title. I'm not going to get into semantics or debate about it. You feel how you feel. I'm not going to try to change your mind. But technically, if you want to count ECW world title, he had won a world title. Well, anyways, to me, Bray Wyatt was was always pushed as more of a solo guy anyway. You know, I know it was a big deal when Matt Hardy won the U.S. title against uh, MVP, but that's a story for another time. Anyways, you just kind of know where these guys came from and to see where they're at now. I'm very interested to see... What Reigns does as a Paul Heyman guy, I'm very interested to see um, what Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, does as a face. Even though technically he was the face in that triple threat match that just happened, which was really weird, him being the face. Um, But I guess that's what it was. 
Um, but yeah, so this match, obviously, you know what it is now. It's a 2014 Elimination Chamber, the Wyatts versus the Shield. The first time they touched. And I believe these two groups only did two matches together. It was that night and the night after they did they did two matches. But this crowd at the Elimination Chamber, I forgot where they were. I had it written down my original notes, and then I tossed the original notes after I recorded. And I, I listened to myself back. And I was like, oh, I don't like this. And I tossed everything. I started over. But this crowd was on fire. These guys did not touch, and they were saying, this is awesome. And I know those chants can be... Uh, <laughs> overdone, maybe not done enough, or I don't know, whatever. They could be annoying, let's just say it. But this was one of those moments where they were right, and just it was just a big fight feel to it. It felt special because once again, these groups didn't touch; they barely interacted with each other. And this was when Roman Reigns was at his hottest, and he's being cheered. He the year before. I think he eliminated like four men in the Survivor Series, and that's when people started cheering him. And I remember him talking trash to Rey Mysterio. He was like smushing his face, and he was like, "You came all the way back to get punked out, Rey." And it and he was on his his ascent. He ended up eliminating eliminating the most men in the Royal Rumble history until Braun Strowman did. But Braun Strowman did with like a forty or fifty man Royal Rumble. Uh, Reigns did with thirty, the traditional, I guess. Um, but this this felt special, you know, and even in the match lived up to the hype. The next night, they did the, the match again. The crowd wasn't. I, I remember watching it. The crowd wasn't as hype, but I think it was just because of where they were, you know. And, and then on top of that, people I think were kind of like, because this right here was when they started showing cracks in the shield, and at first it looked like they were going to turn Ambrose, and because you see rings and. Rollins talking and they're talking about the night before the elimination chamber and they're saying how what happened to uh, um, Ambrose and Ambrose because Ambrose apparently disappeared on them and they didn't know what happened to him and 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 it, it looked like they were going to turn Ambrose at first and then and then and I don't know what happened I've I've done my research apparently uh, Rollins was always the guy that was going to turn heel. But I don't know what they, I want to dare say they did things the right way. They did things smart because you see that dissension and then all of a sudden it got quiet. It was just super quiet and, and all of a sudden they're, they're united again. They have a, a match at that WrestleMania. It was a quick three, four minute match with the New Age Outlaws and, and Kane. They won. Um, then the very next night on Raw, um, there they face off with with the the corporation 2.0, I guess if you want to say. Triple H has his match with Daniel Bryan, and he's like saying this is not gonna break down into a war. Triple H turns around, Reigns spears him, crowd goes wild, and once again they're united. They face it, the Evolution and the Evolution Evolution in two straight pay per view matches, which were great matches. And then the heel turn happens for Rollins. And once again, you didn't see it coming. But once again, they showed cracks in their armor three months prior, but they made you forget about it. And like I said, everything I've done in my research with it, it, they always said Rollins was supposed to be the one that turned. So once again, that could have just been a part of the creative. You know what? Let's be fair. Creative was 
even though it was just six years ago, creative was much better than what it, what it is now. So I'll give him credit until I see something else or someone tells me something else in the comments or you know, email or whatever. Well, anyways, this match was special because, like I said, it was the first time these guys had touched. And it, it just lived up to the hype. It's worth watching. It's worth being a match of the month. I know since then, Reigns and Bray have had their own singles feud before. Um, which wasn't bad, you know. It started with uh, Bray costing Reigns the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then that led to their Hell in a Cell. Now, I remember reviewing that on Why Repent, I'm going to do it again. Because Reigns did a crazy spear spot through the freaking table. And I was like, why? So many people. That move is already so scary to me. Because some everyone who uses it, I think with the exception of Goldberg, has had like serious neck problems. And I don't want to blame the move because you look at the move, most of the times it doesn't look that devastating. It looks like a very pedestrian move, you know, except for when Rhino does it. Rhino was going to damage himself and um, the person he was affecting, hitting, effectively hitting. Um, and, and, and I can give you a play by play this match. I'm not going to. This is why I do the match as much so I can direct you to it. There's nothing edited on the network. You can watch it on the network and have enjoyment. I saw it on the network and I saw it on um, YouTube. It's the same thing. They didn't edit anything out. Um, that's something I will be doing on these matches of the month because I do know some things have been completely edited out. So I do want to get the feel for both of them to see which way I should, should send you. You know, um, but, yeah, you can watch it. If you have the network, you can watch it on the network. It's just fine. But the Shield versus the Wyatts 2014 Elimination Chamber, it was amazing. There's a, there's a couple spots I do want to talk about. Uh, there's a spot where uh, Rollins is on top and Luke Harper throws him over his shoulder. He does a backflip and lands on his feet, clotheslines him out. The crowd goes crazy. He ends up doing a plancha outside. Once again, just just amazing, and like I said, they were the faces without a doubt. They, and they turned, and the fans turned their face because these guys were super freaking cool. And so, um, it, it's just one of those things. where this match to me is relevant because you can see potential in all six guys. Even if you thought what you thought, if the look of Eric Rowan or Luke Harper or um, or Bray or whoever. You just see the potential in all six men to be very special. And if you look at them, all but one has gone on to do really things. And once again, Eric, the, the, the things are still out. The jury is still out on Eric Rowan because he's currently not even signed anybody. And who knows what he's going to do. Brody Lee immediately went to AEW and he, um, he just destroyed Cody, which was what a way to put him over after... I know some people felt like Brody Lee wasn't being used right, but I mean, some people just aren't fans of the Dark Order to begin with anyway. So it's kind of like a uh, potato, potato, I guess. Um, but Brody Lee came in, he immediately got a world championship match against Dean Ambrose. He lost it, but then they did the, the TNT championship. Boy, oh boy, did he ever show off. Um, uh, on that match, and that was that, that was good. I know Cody's taking time off to film a show, blah blah blah. But it was important for him to put him over the way he did. I, I was pleasantly surprised, and I like Cody. I wasn't tired of Cody's. I know some people were tired of, of Cody's run as TNT champion, but 
I'm a huge fan of Cody, so I, I'm not going to say that. Um, but it was, was once again, Cody has done so much to put this com- this company on his back since he's been there, so since they opened. So, but anyways, then you have Bray Lee. Bray's gone on to be, I think, a three-time world champion, one-time WWE champion, two-time Universal champion. All of his reigns have been unremarkable, to say the least. <laughs> he won the, his first championship in remarkable fashion in an elim- elimination chamber match. Lost it a month later. He won after last year's Hell in a Cell, which he, uh, he I guess he won or whatever. However, that ended up in a disqualification, whatever. He won it in Saudi Arabia, lost it to Goldberg. Then he won it and had it for one week and lost it to a heel Reigns. And the way things are looking, I don't think Reigns is going to lose that championship. And in my opinion, if he's booked right, obviously, in my opinion, he shouldn't lose that. He shouldn't lose that championship until WrestleMania next year. Against who? I don't know. The landscape would definitely be different. But then you have Rollins, who's obviously going on to be Rollins, who we know what he's done. Money in the Bank winner. Only man to cash in the Money in the Bank at the uh, WrestleMania. Uh, at the Why are you saying that for everything? Sound like Bret Hart right now. Uh, at WrestleMania, Dean Ambrose, WWE champion. Now the AEW currently, AEW currently champion. Currently, listen to me. Currently AEW champion. See, I'm still not going to rust off here. <laughs> still not going to rust off. But these six men show what they had. Not just one night in a row, but two nights in a row. But this match, to me, is, I'll rate it, is a 10 as opposed to the next night where it was an 8. Only because the crowd, and that's something I know we've missed in this, this 2020 year, and crowds just were allowed to come back. But that's something, to me, um, that made this This crowd was all about this match, all about the hype. And to me, it just put all six men on a level that just couldn't be touched. It's just too bad. The Whites were, as opposed to the Shield, the Shield went on to have really good booking after this, right? And then the Whites had the opposite side of booking. The very next month, after they won this big match, the momentum shift continued. They it didn't, and he lost, and wait, Bray lost to Cena, which another, another show, another time. Um, but this match is your match of the month. Go ahead and check it out. You can check it out. Like I said, there's nothing edited off of it. I've done my research. I watched the match on both YouTube and on uh, the WWE Network. It's Nothing's edited out. I, once again, this is a modern show for these modern matches, so I don't think there's anything to edit out. Um, unless you believe what WWE, say, WWE says, and they say that uh, the CFO music is no longer going to be used, which is not true at all. Well, they, still, they still use Jim Johnston music, so they, that's not true at all. Anyways... Um, check this match out. This is your match of the month. The Shield versus the Wyatts 2014. I will see you guys next week with another show. It should be fun. See y'all next time. I see it a little differently. Podcast.